Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God and it contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Good morning. Welcome to Know Your Bible. We're glad you're back this week. We've got some we've got questions coming up that uh, got some real good ones this week that our viewers have expressed interest in. Uh, they've used the phone number or the website that's on the screen there to get in touch with us and told us, I want to know about this. And we're happy to try to find an answer to those kind of things. If you're a first-time viewer, I've already explained how the program works. Uh, we take viewers' questions. We want people to know their Bible better. And we found out one good way is not to tell you what we think you want to know, but to let you ask about what you want to know. So we've given you a phone number and a website. Use those anytime. Tell us uh, here's the question, and uh, we'll try to find an answer to it. We get Bible questions, strict, direct Bible, what's this verse mean? We get a lot of life questions also. People wonder about family or finances or world events, and uh, what do I do about this? And what's the Bible recommend? And we try to find you an answer to that. So we're open for business. Give us a call. Let us know what you want us to talk about, and we'll get to it as quickly as we can. Let me introduce my partner, Toby Levering. Hi, Toby. Good morning, Steve. Glad you're back and ready to go here and studied up. Uh, we always start with one for our viewers, so let's do that today. Uh, what kind of wood was the ark made of? Uh, God described this particular kind of wood, and we want to know what that was, and we'll give you an answer to that uh, at the end of the program. All right, first question I drew it today. A viewer wants to know, did Martin Luther take books out of the Bible? Uh, no, not really. He didn't, uh, didn't accomplish that. He wanted to. Uh, as you know, Martin Luther is the famous reformer who... Uh, found some things <clears throat> wrong in the Catholic Church. I thought that they needed to be reformed and changed to get back to the Bible. So he made a list of things that he thought were wrong in the Catholic Church and he got in trouble for it. Uh, one of the things he disagreed with was the inclusion of the apocryphal books. Uh, if you pick up a Catholic Bible today, there's some extra books between the Old Testament and the New Testament in Protestant Bibles. Uh, he recommended those be taken out of the Bible. He didn't think those were inspired. Uh, he didn't like the book of James. Uh, he called it a right straw epistle. Uh, he didn't think it agreed with all of his theology, so he wanted to take it out. And then there were one or two other books that he recommended be taken out of the Bible, but they weren't taken out. They, the Catholic Church didn't follow his advice, and uh, no one has since, really. So he, he recommended some, but he didn't take any out. All right, Toby. All right. A viewer wants to know, just ask directly the question, do you need to be baptized to go to heaven? And my answer to that is yes, absolutely you do. And uh, we've answered that question many times in the, 
on this program. People like to know about it. It's not a popular teaching, but it sure is in the Bible a lot. It's just absolutely uh, per permeates the New Testament. Uh, Jesus commanded it. His apostles taught it and practiced it. Uh, we know that it's in there over and over again. You'll not find it a person, an example of a person who became a Christian. Uh, of course, after the resurrection of Jesus, uh, no one became a New Testament Christian. That it's not in the Bible where it doesn't also mention that they were baptized as well. Now, some people may ask, well, what, what is this baptism idea? And baptism is a, a simple word uh, that simply means immersion, to be dipped or plunged or buried uh, under water. And uh, that was uh, the practice in the first century. And uh, in, in most churches of Christ, we practice that today. And there are other churches that practice this as well because it's what's in the Bible. And that's really what we want to know. So you want to know... Uh, it's easy for me to say that, but the second step is, does the Bible say that? And, of course, it's in there a lot. We can look at some verses, and uh, I have some verses that will not be on the screen, uh, but the, the, you can look them up at home. Mark chapter 16, verse 16, and Jesus said, absolutely commanded that you've got to repent. Who, he who believes and repents and be, is baptized shall be saved. Uh, this is very clear from Jesus himself. It was a direct commandment. Uh, when the church began in Acts chapter 2, uh, the uh, apostle Peter uh, then preached the first gospel sermon. At the end of that sermon, he had really preached a good one. And the people there responded, what shall we do? And in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, it says, Repent and be baptized, each of you, and you shall receive the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we see that there in Acts chapter 2 uh, and Romans chapter 6, where Paul goes on to say, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. And so uh, he also says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? And it was this beautiful picture of what baptism is and what happens. Nothing magical in the water, but it's the point of connection where we become uh, covered in the blood of Christ. Now, I gave you all those verses. Uh, you can read through and you'll just see Scripture affirms it over and over again that you've got to do it. Uh, let's look at one that you can look at on the screen that we can read together. Uh, then Jesus <clears throat> came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And this is how he says to do it. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And that's, that's just the crux of the matter. Did Jesus command it? Yep. And is our responsibility to obey it if we want to go to heaven? Absolutely. So if you haven't, I hope you'll <coughs> sign up for the Bible Correspondence Course and make a decision that needs to be done today. All right. Thank you, Toby. Uh, have you ever asked a question, does God still heal people? And some might think, well, that's kind of a silly question. Of course God heals people. And I think maybe the, the problem is that sometimes we get asked about the gift of healing and the, the, we say, no, the gift of healing doesn't exist anymore, and I'll get back to that in a moment. But yes, God still heals. Uh, that's why we pray. Uh, we pray for sick people. We pray for dying people. We pray for God to do a miracle. Uh, that's why we pray. He can and does still heal people. He uses whatever method He chooses. Uh, sometimes he uses the doctor uh, to find and prescribe the right treatment. Uh, he uses medicines that he's enabled us to develop. Sometimes that does the healing. Uh, sometimes he does healing that is beyond our understanding. Uh, the doctor will look and diagnose it 
and say, I'm sorry, there's, there's no hope about this. And over a period of time, he'll go back in and take another x-ray or something, and he'll say, things have changed. I can't explain why. Uh, God uses any method he wants uh, to heal when he desires to heal. Uh, we leave it in his hands. It's his goodwill, and he will work it for good. Now, so we believe that. That's why we pray. We have a prayer chain at church, and we let people know of problems and sicknesses and everything instantly, uh, fast as we can, to get lots of people praying. Uh, we have special prayer services sometime for someone. Uh, we believe God heals. But the gift of healing is something else. And let me just mention it quickly. I know our viewer didn't ask, but I think it sometimes causes confusion. Uh, in the New Testament time, some people were empowered, the apostles especially, and then some others got the gift later, uh, the gift to heal with a, a speech or to touch someone or command the, the sickness to leave their body. Jesus did that. The apostles did that. Uh, their healings were instantaneous. Their healings were complete. Uh, the person got up and walked. He didn't feel a little bit better for the next day. He got up and walked. Okay? He didn't feel a little bit better the next day because his migraine was a little less. His eyes could see when he had been blind. So that's the kind of healing we're talking about. Instantaneous, complete, organic healing. Uh, that gift passed away. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15 that those things were going to pass away. Now, today, some people still claim to have that gift. They claim to have a gift of healing and to be able to touch and to, to speak to people and their diseases go. Uh, my only comment about that is if they really have the gift, uh, they ought to be in the hospitals, they ought to be in the children's hospitals, they ought to be in the hospice wards instead of in a big auditorium making money uh, if they really had that gift, but they don't. So. Yes, God does still heal, and we believe that completely. Let me take this moment and study, ask, ask you to study the Bible or offer you a way to study the Bible in a new and different way. We've got some Bible study materials that we've found over the years, and we found them to be a great help to people in learning more about their Bible and knowing their Bible. Since that's what this program's for, we advocate study with uh, some of these tools, or you may have some better ways, and we, that's fine with us as long as you're studying the Bible. Uh, you see the first course that we offer here on the screen at this time. There's eight lessons in there. It talks about the Old Testament and New Testament at the very start, and then gives you some other topics about the Bible. Uh, it's not a, tied to any denomination or creed or anything. It's just a basic Bible study. It just helps you understand your Bible. Uh, once you get those eight lessons done, uh, we've got a certificate that we'll get to you because it's a good accomplishment. We're proud of you for studying that much Bible. And then we've got some more advanced courses that we're happy to keep right on sending you. You can study the Bible for a long time uh, with Know Your Bible Study tools. So give us a call. Or log on to the website and say, I want that free course. And it is free. Uh, it won't even cost you a stamp ever. So I just call and say, you want that free course? We'll send you lesson number one. You sit down and work with it. Open your Bible. Read what it tells you to. Answer a few questions. Uh, send it back to us, and we'll score it and send it back with the lesson number two. It gives you a little accountability. It can still take as long as you want, but uh, helps you stay accountable there. Uh, if it's something that doesn't help for some reason, you can quit any time and we won't bother you in any way. 
but we think you'll be interested in it and keep right on studying it. So give us a call. Let us get it started for you. All right, Toby, sir. Yeah, uh, kind of a culturally relevant question a viewer asks uh, about can a congregation, by that I mean a church, be blessed by God if they accept same-sex couples? <clears throat> well, I'm going to focus in on the word accept here because uh, I think there's two ways to view that. Uh, the one idea is by accept, do you mean uh, can a congregation be blessed if they welcome people, you know, they're people who uh, are committing sin, uh, be welcome to your congregation and, and be a place where they can come and genuinely say, I identify that I've got these things wrong in my life and I'm trying to work on them through the power of the Spirit. I'm trying to let Jesus change my life and change who I am, then yes, a congregation ought to be very accepting and welcoming as I think uh, not just that, uh, that sin, but all sin. Uh, churches are to be the place where we're called out. Called out is actually what the word church ecclesia means. We're called out of the darkness into the light of Christ and God can't call any people who are sinless. So should a church be welcoming? Now the question is uh, on the other side uh, of welcoming the, the idea of, of acceptance is welcoming, but the other idea is condoning. Uh, should a person of any sin or anything that the Bible condemns uh, be able to come to a church and that church say, well, that's wonderful, that's powerful, just look how tolerant and open-minded we are. Well, uh, believe it or not, not the first church in history to do that. In fact, uh, the church at Corinth was very tolerant, very open-minded, specifically of sexual sin. A man had his father's wife. And they thought, look how accepting we are, and they just thought this, how wonderful a thing this was. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5, he said, It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that is not tolerated even among the pagans. He goes on to say, And you are arrogant, you are proud. Ought you not rather to mourn? Ought you be filled with grief? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. Paul's not saying you can't welcome that man if he's not willing to change. But if he's coming in and he doesn't want to change, he just wants to live his old sinful lifestyle, the whole pre-Christ and, and live in the darkness a kind of lifestyle. No, that's, God forbid, that would never happen uh, in a church. So, no, churches cannot be blessed if they approve of that which God condemns. The, the two ideas just simply uh, go against one another. So a church should be a place where sinners can come and if they're struggling and they want help, they got ministries like Celebrate Recovery, if people identify real specifically what their sins are and how to work through them, that's a wonderful thing and that ought to be what churches are there for. But no, if you're just gonna live in sin and, and do as you did before Christ, that's not what church is supposed to be about. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9-11. through 11. This is what he goes on to say. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolater, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. But he goes on to say, And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So a church is a place where sinners should be able to go, but they got to be ready to change. All righty. Uh, Ten Commandments are one topic. Uh, the viewer that called in said this, Jesus, Jesus taught people to keep the Ten Commandments. Well, that's a statement, not a question, but our <laughs> viewers uh, stating that because 
this is one topic that, uh, among a few other topics on Know Your Bible, when we teach about it, uh, people kind of get excited. They, they don't like what we say. I don't think they listen to all that we say sometimes, and this is one of the cases. Uh, if you ask me the direct question, do you follow the Ten Commandments, I'd have to say, no, I don't follow the Ten Commandments because I'm not under the Ten Commandments anymore. Uh, if you ask me, do I follow the principles of the Ten Commandments, I'd say, yeah, 90% of them. Uh, and people just don't understand that. They say, God put in the Ten Commandments and why don't you obey them? Uh, let's try to explain it this way. The, this viewer's take on it was, well, Jesus taught people to keep the Ten Commandments, so why don't you? Well, Jesus also um, kept the Ten Commandments. Uh, he made sacrifices on Saturday. He went to the temple. Uh, he was dressed like the ten, old law told him to dress. He kept the dietary rules of the old commandments, the old law. Uh, he followed them and kept them and taught people to keep them because he lived under them. He, he was a Jew. He lived under the rule of the Old Testament law that Moses had written down. And then it says, and it explains it this way in Colossians, it's kind of a picture. It says he took that old law. All the laws that God made, including the Ten Commandments, they were part of the old law. It says he took that law and took it with him to the cross and it died with him there. He nailed them to the cross. The old law died on the cross with Jesus. Colossians 2.14 is very, very clear about that. The old law was taken out of the way and we now live under a new law in New Testament times. Now, in the New Testament, nine out of the ten, ten commandments are repeated. In fact, there some of them people could say are strengthened, uh, but they're definitely repeated. The principle is still there. We, we follow them because they're New Testament law. But one of them is not repeated. Uh, keep Remembering the Sabbath day to keep it holy is not repeated in the New Testament. In fact, it's specifically said we don't have to follow it. In Colossians 2, Paul said, don't let people judge you about a Sabbath. Don't have to do that anymore. Christians worship on the first day of the week. So uh, when we say we don't keep them, it's because we're under a new law. We're not under the Ten Commandments. Best example I can think of is if you've ever refinanced your home. Uh, you, with your first mortgage, you had a stack of paper about that thick. And if you refinance, you're going to get another stack of paper just about that thick. And 90% of it is going to be exactly the same. But there's going to be a few changes. Okay, That's the way it is with the Ten Commandments. I'm under the new <laughs> law. I follow it, and it's, all, it's got a lot of the old in it, but it's different. got a little bit of difference in it. So that's why we say we don't keep the Ten Commandments. We're not under the Ten Commandments. But yes, you're right. Jesus did live under them, followed them, taught people to keep them. Uh, that's got nothing to do with the fact that we're under the new law. All right. Let me take this moment and invite you to visit a Church of Christ near you. The Churches of Christ uh, are who support us on this program. Well, we're broadcast by Churches of Christ in your area, and we like to uh, mention one every once in a while and let you know who they are and where they are. Uh, today we've got a couple here in central Kansas, south central Kansas, uh, Sylvia and Wellington. If you live anywhere near those communities, 
there's a congregation of the Church of Christ there that uh, supports us in this work, and we like to thank them and like to invite you to uh, drop in and visit them sometime, or maybe, since they're both pretty small communities, uh, you may know somebody that attends the Church of Christ. You may work with one of them or something. Uh, next time you see them, tell them, hey, I saw your church advertised. I know your Bible, and I watch that every week, and uh, appreciate you providing that for me. Uh, let them know that you, you're watching, and we appreciate you doing that. And of course, if you're looking for a church home, be warmly welcome to any Church of Christ uh, in your area. Whatever market you're watching in, there's probably one close to you. Uh, we invite you to drop in and tell them you want to know your Bible. And you'll be warmly welcomed to any Church of Christ near you. All right, Toby, what do you got here? Yeah, uh, a person wants to know about when Jesus comes back, and they, uh, they ask the question, when Jesus comes back, will he take Israelites of today with him, or do they need to be born again? And the simple answer is that, yes, they must be born again. Uh, if they are of the Jewish lineage or uh, faith, uh, we're under a new covenant now, and uh, that works differently than the old system. In the old system, it was just a matter of the relationship and the lineage and the connection back to Abraham. Uh, but the new covenant is a better covenant, and it is one that uh, is the only way into that covenant is through Christ. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, uh, Peter said, <clears throat> This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by the builders and has become the cornerstone, and there is salvation. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no under name given under heaven uh, by which we must be saved. So Jesus is the only way, uh, regardless of uh, uh, what nationality or lineage or heritage or religion you might have, in Christ is the only way. And Jesus said that of himself. Uh, I, no one comes to the Father but by me. So Jesus was very clear about that. The scriptures are clear about how to get into Christ uh, through faith and repentance and baptism. Let's look at Acts chapter 2, verses 36 through 38 together. Uh, Peter preaching, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter, uh, <clears throat> And the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so and the scripture is very clear, whether uh, Jew or Gentile, the only way to God is through uh, Jesus the Messiah. And, and uh, scripture is also very clear about how to get into Christ. So I hope that's helpful. You got that one right. All right. Uh, question about raising children. We told you we'd take all kinds of questions on this program. And this viewer wants to know about making your child go to church. Uh, if you make your child go to church uh, when he's at home, evidently, uh, will he quit when he leaves home? And my answer to that is possibly, uh, quite possibly, uh, because children have this thing called free will. Uh, they don't have it while they're at home and you're in charge. Uh, they got to do what you say. But there comes a time in life when we get old enough and we get on our own and all of that. We get to make our own decisions and uh, we get to choose whether to follow what mom and dad taught us or to go another direction. Sometimes that's a good idea. Sometimes mom and dad don't give a very good example and the child chooses to live a different life and break that cycle. That's good. 
and sometimes parents do the best they can and uh, uh, illustrate everything right and the child chooses to go the wrong way so uh, free will causes me to answer that possibly they'll leave home now as far as making them go to church though think about how else what else you do in the family I'm guessing that at first you have to make your child brush his teeth uh, at first you have to make your child uh, take his plate from the table to the sink uh, at first, you probably have to make him make his bed and make him go to school and make him do everything. And that doesn't mean it's wrong. Uh, you've got to do that because that's what parents do is form children. So they may not want to go to church, but you make them for a while. Now, will they continue in that faith? Will they continue brushing their teeth? Will they continue doing everything else you make them? I think the number one determinant, and I've got no real proof of this just from life watching, I think probably the number one determinant is what they hear you say and what you make them do and how close that is to what they see you do. Okay? Uh, I think of, of kind of a weird example, but if, I'm, if mother and dad never brush their teeth, never take their plate to the sink, never do any of the things that you're making your child do, uh, they probably see a little problem there. Well, if you see you have absolutely no religious uh, interest, if you, uh, or if you go to church and then on the way home criticize everything that you saw or heard, uh, I think the kids pick that up real, real quickly. Uh, they'd know they're being made to go and mom and dad have no interest in it and don't believe in it and as soon as I'm out of here I'm going to quit. Uh, that's my opinion is what you make them do you ought to be showing them in your life also but still even if you do everything perfect they can still leave they've got free will that's the way it works. <laughs> Alright Toby squeeze uh, one in here. Sure viewer wants to know, when does the soul enter the body, or is it in the body at birth? <clears throat> well, my uh, uh, basis for this answer is going to be Genesis 2-7. Let's look at that on the screen. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. This idea of the breath of life, I think, is the point at which we get our soul. Now, of course, that's talking specifically about Adam, but I think that happens as God knits together each individual person. My guess is it probably happens in the womb. Of course, there's parts of the creation process that happen in the womb that even with modern technology, we can't see and aren't privy to. And so I, I think this is one of God's most beautiful mysteries, uh, as is alluded to in Psalm 139, verse 16. We'll read that verse. Your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So this tells us that uh, I think that the breath of life comes within the womb, but how it happens and when exactly it happens, uh, that's something only God knows. But uh, I believe we all have the breath of life in us, and God gives it to us. All righty. Thank you. Thank you for your answers uh, today, Toby. Thank you for your good questions, viewers. Glad you've uh, given us some things to talk about. I hope you found them interesting today. Viewer's question today was about uh, the wood that the ark was made out of. What kind of wood was that? And I bet most of our viewers probably knew it was gopher wood. 
even though probably none of our viewers know what <laughs> gopher wood is. Uh, <laughs> scholars think it's probably some kind of cypress, but uh, gopher wood, we don't call it that anymore. We don't know what it was, but Noah knew and he used it, and that's why the boat floated. Uh, we're glad you've been with us today and uh, hope we get to your question. If not, we hope we get to it next week. We hope you come back then as we uh, try to answer some more of your questions. We're glad you've been with us. We hope you have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.